Sporting Goss with Tim Gossage. It was a chilly old start to the day, but things are starting to warm up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sporting Goss. We're here for the next two hours, and I would say this is our best Wednesday show this week. We have got Mike McKenna joining us from Optus Stadium. Have you got a ticket to the Dreamtime on the Swan, the big game, Saturday night? Because if you haven't, Ticketmaster might be the place to get onto right now because tickets are selling out. I think we're up to level five, the back three rows, and they are anticipating fifty-five to 60,000 people here. Gary O'Donnell, a man who played 243 games with Essendon and now lives in Perth and has for almost five years, will be joining us. Big night tonight for some hopefuls in the AFL, the mid-season draft. Jai Bolton. Remember Jai Bolton? He had this to say... On our show, on the 17th day of May, he basically said he is not going to nominate. This is what he said. Yeah, I think probably a bit too old for that now. Unless you heard anything pretty solid, I think it might be just a bit of a waste of time for me now. I've, I've sat through a lot of drafts and haven't seen the, the name called out for, what, 10, 10 years since I've seen my name come up. So I'm just happy um, focusing on trying to have some success at Claremont now. Guess what? He nominated for the draft and his name is on the list. He'll be chatting with us after 10.30. Georgie Parker for her regular Wednesday segment will be joining us. We'll be talking waffle football. Hamish Brayshaw is the captain of the West Coast Eagles waffle team, but also has his eye on the rest of the competition. We're talking waffle with Hammer Brayshaw. Lockie Taylor, get your pens and paper ready. He is going to give us a winner for Ascot. Didn't a Belmont didn't have any form last week. But he's very keen to bounce back. Always gamble responsibly. His tip comes in the first race. And Brett Phillips, all things on the French Open. Now, we have got another call-in for former Essendon and Sydney Swans footballer Ben Doolan. Now, Ben Doolan, if you don't know, runs very big bus companies over here in WA. I think Bus West, uh, ATT, Down Under Bus. I think he employs 900 people. Has been living in WA for a long time. Well, we were reliably informed by one of our listeners, Mower Man, the uh, leading lawnmower man, corporate lawnmower man uh, <laughs> in the business, who is an SEN tragic. He's telling us that he's heard that Ben Dolan is driving to Aluna to pick up some boys to bring them down over, that's almost a thousand Ks to the Dreamtime at uh, the uh, Optus Stadium on Saturday night. Well, we've spoken to Ben. Ben is going into a meeting, and if he's out of that meeting after 11 o'clock, We'll have more on that story. Ben Doolan, Essendon, Sydney Swans, and of course now WA resident and WA businessman, and picking up a, a bunch of boys, 40-odd boys from Waluna and bringing them back to Perth for the weekend. There is more twists in that story that is still to come. And don't forget, get in touch with us, 0487 736 736. Have you had any luck getting some dream time on the Swan game uh, tickets because it is, they're going to be scarce as hen's teeth. There's a, I'm led to believe there's a few ones and twos in good spots, but if you really want a clump of players, you uh, ticket, should I say, you are going to be in the top deck. But you know what? Nothing wrong with that. You get to see everything. It's going to be spectacular as well, and also the long walk to the O as well. Plenty to come, 13 12 55 0487 736 736. It is a massive show. Chris Clafunas is our producer. Alex is pushing the buttons, and you are our listeners. Let's do this. 
Well, Kevin Sheedy was on our show on Monday and he mentioned about being a sellout for the big game, the Dreamtime game at Optus Stadium. He said he wouldn't be satisfied with forty-five or 50000 when it looks like the WA fans have responded. A man who might be able to give us a ticket update is Optus Stadium's big boss, and that's Mike McKenna. Mike, appreciate your time. It looks like it could be very close to a sellout. Yeah, well, I heard one of disappoint Sheeds. Yeah, look, I think we're, we're heading that way. Um, the signs are all good. Um, tickets are still selling well this morning. So I'd suggest anybody who is interested in coming, and I think there's a lot of people who are, then um, don't wait. I'd get in now to buy your tickets on Ticketek, on Ticketmaster. Yeah, Ticketmaster is the place to go. I was on Ticketmaster this morning, and I can tell you that uh, it looks like it's the, the, the top level um, and sort of rows sort of 16 through to the back that are available now. It's still a great seat in the house. Yeah, that's true. It's that mostly towards the back, but there are there are a few seats spotted around uh, elsewhere, twos mm-hmm. and singles. Um, but the majority of seats together now towards the back. But um, yeah, well, I don't think it'll be too long uh, next you know, next couple of days, and we you know we'll be pretty close to a sellout. Yeah, it's interesting. Mike McKenna, our guest from Optus Stadium. Mike, it's interesting because a lot of people say, "Yeah, I'd love to go. It's going to be a great occasion," but they actually don't go buy tickets. But the rally by the WA sporting public has been huge for the occasion, not just the game, but for the occasion. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think over the last you know, three years, uh, Perth and WA has proven to be the events capital of Australia. You know, for the size of the population, the way we turn out to the big games is, you know, is unprecedented around the country. Melbourne, Melbourne has a lot of them, but they've got a big population. You know, we're, we're doing really well. But when you look back through games like you know, Chelsea, AFL finals, Manchester United, Bledisloe Cup, State of Origin, and the A-League Grand Final sold out in, you know, within a week. Uh, and now this result for two Melbourne teams playing you know, a Dreamtime game in Perth, it's just outstanding. Logistically, how does the team cope with uh, the back-to-back games? Not that that's new. You've coped before and with the hub and the like. But, I mean, this is a big occasion. There's more than just a game of footy. It's what's happening around the walk to the stadium and the like. So how are the team pulling it all together? Is it a constant uh, moving feast for the whole sort of uh, organisation? Yeah, look, it is a very different challenge. As you mentioned, we've done back-to-backs before. We did um, Bittersoe Cup into a big West Coast game um, back-to-back uh, in 2019. So it's not unusual for us. But what is different this time is that the Essendon team, who would normally run the game, um, are not on the ground here in Perth. And so they're trying to run it you know, through us um, by remote control. So there's a lot more complications. But, yeah, they're a great team over there. They've been doing this for years. Our, our team's outstanding as well. So we've you know, bonded really well. And we're going to produce a fantastic experience on the field, pre-match um, and at half-time. So I think people should really uh, get along for the experience itself. If you've never been to a footy game, um, this is the first one for you. Are you doing anything, any other activations outside the ground or are you just sort of relying very much on what Essendon are doing and, and the walk to the stadium coming across the Matagatup Bridge and, and the like? Or have you got anything else planned outside the grounds? Uh, we're pretty much clearing the grounds and, and the surrounds for getting the fans in because uh, there'll be you know, quite a few people who've probably not been to too many games before. Mm-hmm. So getting them into the ground uh, quickly is, is the most important thing. But there, there can be a lot of people coming across the bridge uh, from the uh, long walk with Michael Long and Gavin Wanganeen and others, other Indigenous players leading that uh, from uh, Victoria Park across the bridge into the stadium precinct. So we'll make, make space for that and get everyone into the ground for the bounce down. And then the, the team would work feverishly overnight uh, to present it for the Fremantle Lockers the next day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of things that need to change. But, you know, what um, what really goes on that people don't see is the logistics. So our kitchen staff are working already, preparing lots and lots of meals um, and preparing for the retail as well as the corporate catering that goes on. 
a lot of work goes into that and moving around the stadium and then restocking uh, overnight, changing out kegs of beer, bringing up you know new bags of chips, you know, pies, and getting ready for making all those hot chips and hot dogs um, and burgers and all the outlets. So all that, that food needs to be brought up from the basements into uh, the cool rooms up near the near the outlets. And there's 51 retail outlets up there. So restocking all those is it's a big challenge. A lot of those guys in the logistics team are unseen, um, but they do fantastic work. They certainly do. Security staff, the cleaning staff, the whole uh, so the whole box and dice, the back of house staff do a remarkable job. And, and even working in this building as we are, we do see the comings and going. Not really much in prime time, but all the stuff that goes on in the hours leading up to an event. Can I just ask you about the uh, the corporate suites? They looked like they were snapped up very quickly by some of our local businesses. Yes, they moved very quickly on those. Uh, there might be something left, but uh, I'd certainly call the stadium um, online or go onto the bookings engine on our website, drstadium.com.au, mm. um, if there's anything left. I know last night there were a couple of suites and a few outdoor boxes and one or two tables and function rooms. So um, yeah, they'll be snapped up pretty quick today. So I think what it shows is the, the corporate audience, as well as the, the small businesses around Perth, love to be part of the occasion, love to entertain their guests at the big events that we have. Um, and it's just a great chance for them to bond with their clients. It certainly will be. And for those in Victoria that who, you know, for whatever it's it's us versus them a lot of the time, they, as you mentioned, they do have the MCG and this is was a part of their, their big staple diet, of course, uh, apart from last year when it was played at Marara, of course, in the Northern Territory. But it's a chance to showcase again, not that it needs any more confirmation, Mike, but this stadium to the rest of the country and if not the rest of the world because these pitches will be beamed out and you'd be looking forward to uh, seeing those and uh, it'd be a very proud moment for you on Saturday night. Yes, indeed. I mean, I think the first thing to remember is, you know, the circumstances on which this game came to Perth isn't one that we'd wish on anyone. So, obviously, you know, we're thinking of both people of uh, Victoria, but more importantly, the football clubs who are doing it tough. Um, it's not easy moving their players around, but they also lose a lot of revenue and that, that helps the clubs run. So, feeling for them, but you know, what it does for us is it gives us a chance to, as you say, showcase the stadium and the city of Perth to people all around the world. And, and we know from these uh, events we've had in the past that we start getting calls from sport organisations all around the world wanting to come and play here. Um, so yeah, we're, it's bound to attract the attention of um, European football clubs, for example, as it did when we had Manchester United and Chelsea in town. They just love looking at the spectacle we can turn on and the way the fans turn out for these games. 100%. Well, you do a great job, Mike, leading the chart. You're on a break. To everyone at the stadium, it is going to be a huge, a huge build-up, a huge occasion. Appreciate your time. Tickets like Ticketmaster, but you want to be very, very quick. Yes, yeah, so if you want to be quick, and don't forget the biggest game of the weekend is the following day when Fremantle take on Bulldogs. So that's a really important game for both those teams, and we don't want to have anyone forget that opportunity to get along to that game. Yeah, very much so. Fremantle still in the window of making the finals, and we know the Bulldogs are a genuine contender for the flag, and the stadium will be rocking on Sunday in purple. Appreciate your time, Mike. Have a good one. Hope the build-up is continued to be smooth, and I hope it's a sellout. In fact, I hope both games can be a sellout over the weekend. Thanks, Tim. Good on you. There's Mike McKenna, the boss, the CEO of Optus Stadium. Does a great job. This is Sporting Goss, back with plenty more. But get your tickets at Ticketmaster before they sell out. Let's continue our countdown to the big game Saturday night. And what about this offering? It is Richmond and Essendon. It's the dream time on the swan, of course, at Optus Stadium. And one man who is involved in plenty of big clashes with Richmond, but none of the Dreamtime games, but I'm sure a man who'll be very passionately cheering for the Bombers on Saturday night 
as a premiership player, a former captain and a 243-gamer in Gary O'Donnell, who now lives and has for some time lives in WA. Uh, Gary, appreciate your time. First things first, you must have enjoyed last weekend against West Coast. It was bloody beautiful, Goss. Yeah, very nice. Um, I thought we could have been up at half-time, but just hadn't taken our chances, and West Coast couldn't miss. But um, it was encouraging. And then in the second half, geez, the way the, the young side come together. I know West Coast had a few issues with injury, and, and they've got a couple of blokes out. But Essendon rarely win on the road, and especially in these times. And it was just fantastic for them to to win, uh, albeit there'd be a lot of West Coast supporters not real happy. No, now we were hoping to speak to you earlier in the week, but, uh, week, but apparently you'd lost your voice. You're, uh, are you a shouter in a barracka, are you, mate? I was on the weekend. I don't often do it, but I was up in the seat with every goal in the last quarter, and I did actually lose my voice. You can probably just sense it a little bit as well. It's just only coming back. So uh, if it happens this week again, you know, I might, might, might be able to talk for a couple of weeks. Well, you must be happy with what you're seeing. I mean, they really were fantastic and they're young. And this has been a build for some time. And everyone's saying, oh, isn't it great that Ben Rutten and, and he's now taken the team on his, on his own. But this, is, this has been a turnover of players over a, over a period of time under Warsfold's reign and now under Ben Rutten's single reign. There's a lot to like about what they're doing right now. Yeah, it's been a slow build, and people think, gee, they've come from nowhere in the last few weeks. But slow build, and there's still a lot to, to learn, a lot to work on, and a lot of hard work to do. Um, you know, there'll be some ups and downs over the, the, well, the rest of this year, but certainly, hopefully, they've put in a, a good show this week. Just, I think the key's been some of their you know, players that have just been around three or four years now that are just coming to the fore. You know, Darby Parrish... Uh, young McGrath, Merritt's been there a bit longer, but those three blokes in the middle, and then you know you throw in Nick types like Nick Cox and Archie Perkins. It, it really looks like the last two drafts have been really good for the Bombers, and they're going to they're going to get some real real champion players perhaps that that'll play for them for a long time. No doubt about that. And then you've got Jake Stringer as well, who we're hearing reports he wants a big, long contract and worth the big bucks. Uh, if you were sitting down and uh, looking at, at list management. What would you do with Jake Stringer? What's he, what's, he, what's he worth? Not in dollars and cents, but is he worth, the, for the best part, selling the farm to keep? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Goss. You know, it's hard to sort of equate you know, how long. You, you, I'm wary of going too long to a mm. number of years for any bloke. So, especially a guy like Stringer, too. He's a little bit up and down. He's had a few injuries. So, it, he's, uh, He's a bit of an enigma that way, but gee, when he gets himself fit and he's on the park, no injuries, he's just that X factor, isn't he? So, you know, he can kick two or three really quickly and change a game. So, you know, they'll uh, work out what value he is and uh, hopefully they come to an arrangement and he's with us for, for uh, quite a while yet. How proud are you, just in general terms? How proud of you to sit there in the stands like that last week as a bloke who played 243 games, a premiership player, a captain, um, you know, someone who's been around the, the makings of this powerful football club for a long time? Do you sit back with, and being in Western Australia now, do you sit there with great satisfaction seeing, wow, they're tracking on the right way? Yes, it certainly warms the heart. Uh, we haven't been much good for a while, so that, I think that's why... Um, you know, people that follow us and, and including myself are so excited. So, uh, you know, when, if we ever get good again, you know, real good and we're up the top and we're, we're really challenging for, you know, finals and a premiership, uh, 
Essendon supporters are going to be pretty unbearable, I reckon, <laughs> after the last 15 years. You won't want to know them. Yeah, they will. Uh, the same um, dislike for Collingwood will be uh, Essendon will become number one. I would have thought, <laughs> I don't and do... deservedly so. Oh, they, okay, uh, okay. You know, walk around strutting and, and be arrogant, but uh, yeah, look, been a long time in the wilderness, and just just the the encouraging signs of heading you know, the, to the right end of the ladder is, is great. Darcy Parrish said post-game, I just love the players. I love being around the club. I have for a long time. It's feel good. There's some great moments and the future looks bright. I think he might be sending a message to Zach Merritt. How important is Zach Merritt to that future of the footy club? Well, he is, yeah. He's probably the best player on the, the side at the moment. And, uh, you know, he's right in the prime of his career. Again, you wouldn't sell the farm, you know, as far as giving him, you know, seven or eight years, that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. I wouldn't, but, you know, the Essendon may, but there's it, just there's big risks in that. But certainly you're going to pay him what he's worth and for a good number of years. And if you can get that group to stay together, you know, they can come come through together and get better together and, uh, you know, hopefully achieve the ultimate. Gary O'Donnell, our guest, former Essendon captain, premiership player and uh, <laughs> legend of the footy club. Gary, uh, Richmond, I went through some history for you. Here we go. Now, this is something that you wouldn't know because I don't, you don't rely on falling back on your own personal stats. 22 possessions, the average against games against Richmond over your career, which was second, almost uh, the highest in any teams that you played. Second equal amount of goals in, in your career. You kicked nine in games against Richmond. Uh, you got more Brownlow votes against get Richmond games than any other team that you played. You like playing Richmond? Well, I did by the sound of things. I didn't realise that. Uh, I don't like one of the games where in the 95 first semi, uh, Scotty Turner picked me off when I wasn't looking. And um, <laughs> in these days, he probably would have got six weeks. I still get Richmond supporters trolling me on Twitter about that incident, you know, and whenever I arc up or whenever I mention something, they, they go, oh, he's still smarting because, you know, Turner Turner got him uh, nice and good. But, um, yeah, interesting stats. Uh, hopefully, uh, Essendon from now on can have a better run. I think it's been, we've lost the last eight or ten times against Richmond. So, How long hopefully we can turn that around this week with a good performance. The walk over the Matagatup Bridge, uh, Michael Long, Gavin Wanganine, some other Essendon greats. Um, the pre-game is uh, all part of the dream time on the Swan, of course, here at Optus Stadium. Uh, it is a massive event over there in Melbourne, and um, you'd be across that of being an Essendon great yourself. But you must be pleased that WA footy fans have rallied. This is a game that could very well be the biggest crowd this year over an Eagles and Dockers game, over a derby. It seems as though the WA public have really rallied behind this as an event, not just a footy game. And a credit to them too. Like, there's always going to be the risk that uh, they don't show up. But, you know, it sounds like they're going to be showing up in their droves. You know, uh, almost a sellout perhaps. Look, it's going to be wonderful. And to have... You know, the, the dream time come across here, uh, included with the long walk, as you just said, um, starts at Victoria Gardens. They go along the Swan River over the bridge to, to the Optus Stadium. That, that's a really good event as well. I think uh, she's about a 3.30 start and uh, takes them about half an hour. So get there too and walk with Michael Long. Uh, in his journey of trying to just get, you know, improve conditions mm. for, you know, or, or, re- or have people recognise... Uh, yeah, you know, the, the health and education situation that uh, Indigenous people have. And, um, you know, it'll be a great outcome for the state of WA. And uh, credit to all the West Australians that have uh, already bought a ticket. Where are you going to sit? 
Well, I've got, um, yeah, I've got a, I'm about, I'm on level one, but the club has got together 30 or 40 tickets and there's about 20 of us ex-Essendon players that live over here like myself and we're all going to go to, or they're trying to get us together in the one area. Those tickets haven't come through yet, but the the club have have promised that and uh, they're hoping that as many of us can walk uh, with Michael as well. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Who, Who wouldn't you want to sit next to? As an ex-player, either the one you played with who lives in WA now or one that you still knock around with during a game of footy, having a few sherbets, watching your team do their thing on a Saturday night, which one would you rather sort of keep your distance from? Probably we had a luncheon last week on Friday before the West Coast game and Todd Ridley was there and GZ was uh, up and about. He's probably one to keep away from. But I heard um, there's, there's a whisper that Shay Cockatoo Collins, who lives in Brisbane now, he might be flying across. I used to share the locker next door to him, number 10, and he was number 9. And uh, he's got the worst dad jokes in the world. So he's one I'll be staying away from as well. How's WA treating you, mate? You've been here a while now. You, 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 you love WA life? Yeah, good spot. Well, I've been here about four and a half, nearly five years. It's a, it's a great, uh, great, great state, great uh, capital city, Perth. Really nice and clean, easy to get around. Uh, the only thing, she's a bit too far away from uh, a lot of family that I've mm. got in Melbourne, mm. Sydney and uh, Brisbane, but certainly I've enjoyed my time here over the journey. Uh, good stuff. And speaking of Brisbane, you were there for for some time in your role up there, uh, in the coaching staff up there. You must be pleased with the way they're sort of chugging along. They look like a genuine contender. Yeah, I've spent six years in the, the golden Lee Matthews era and then another six years with Bossy and Lepper. So I've seen the highs and the lows and... Uh, when we got our bums kicked and uh, when I got my bum kicked out of there as well. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bubbling up nicely, aren't they? <laughs> seven, I think it's seven wins in a row. They're going to be they're going to be formidable, uh, especially if COVID continues in Melbourne and you know, they'll mm-hmm. get more games on the Gabba. And they're, they're a better team this year, I think. They're just another year of experience or some of the younger blokes now, you know, a lot of them have played 100 games and that's just the ideal spot that you want a team to be in to, to challenge for a grand final. All right, and now give me the reason why Essendon and Richmond's going to be a big game and why Essendon can beat the Tigers. Well, we, we don't like each other that much. Uh, they've got the right sash but the wrong colour. They, uh, we've, we've been no good for a little while and they've just bubbled up in the last four years with their three premierships. They hadn't done anything for 37 years, let me tell you. And uh, they're going on, they're dining out on their previous four years, and so they should. They're they're Richmond supporters, but um, yeah, look, certainly we're starting to bubble up. They've they've still, they've got a few of their injuries back this week, but certainly um, you know, they're still not at their best, and we might still be able to have a crack and, and Start, start the game well and surprise them and uh, put up a good show, good uh, show and grab those four points. Yeah, very important uh, with that sort of uh, that that sort of clog of teams right in the mix. Uh, appreciate your time. A great chat. I would be love to be a fly on the wall amongst those thirty or forty ex Essendon players who reside now here in Perth and level one at the ground. And I'd like to think that there'll be a few of you heading over to Budgie's Camfield straight after that. It could be a very long night, especially if you have a win. And no voice to tell you about it either. (laughs) Good on you, Gaz. Appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, joining us on the Sporting Goths today.
Thanks, Goss. Have a great day. He's a good man. Gary O'Donnell, Essendon champion, premiership player, captain, 243 games, and he loved playing the Tigers, and he'll be shouting from the rooftops uh, at the Dreamtime game here on Saturday night. Great to have him on our show, one of our best guests of all time, I reckon. That is Gary O'Donnell, and this is the Sporting Goss. It is a big show, of course, and it is a big night, too, for a lot of possible hopeful additions to the AFL lists and Claremont's Jai Bolton, who a couple of weeks ago on the show said this. Yeah, I think probably a bit too old for that now. Unless you heard anything pretty solid, I think it might be just a bit of a waste of time for me now. I've, I've sat through a lot of drafts and haven't seen the, the name called out for, what, 10, 10 years and to see my name come up. So I'm just happy um, focusing on trying to have some success at Claremont now. He joins us now. What's changed your mind? Uh, my, my grandma, mate, mainly, mate. There's nothing, nothing too material involved in it. Um, she just uh, told me to do what she does every every Thursday, and that's go down to her local lottery um, uh, outlet and buy a ticket, and uh, got to be in it to win it. So, um, yeah, she she's um, pushed me along to to put my name amongst the. Amongst the ones there, and no, you never know what happens. Uh, yeah, exactly right. So will you be keeping an eye on it? Will you be training? Will you be doing something else? Will you be looking at your phone? What will you be doing uh, sort of 5 o'clock onwards tonight? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be training. Um, yeah, we've, uh, we've got training all night, so won't be able to, won't be able to watch it. So, um, yeah, we'll be out in the Oval and see, see what happens. Hopefully um, a few few guys from the, from the Waffle can... Um, maybe get their name called out. There's been some, some guys in some good form. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to see uh, some of those guys take a step up. Yeah, very much so. Now, I put it out on Twitter that you'd be the type of body that I reckon a team like West Coast who have had a trouble with their midfielders at the moment. Uh, they need a big-bodied midfielder who gets plenty of the ball. And I know that Gilly, of course, uh, goes and watches you on Dollar's Deck and he thinks that uh, you could add something to an AFL list. You're 29, you're almost over the hill, um, but you haven't given up hope, great man. You just never know. You might be a fluker's chance. It might be one of those left field ones tonight. Have you spoken to any AFL clubs in the last week or two? Oh, no, nothing that's, um, that would get me too, excite, too excited. Um, you, know, you have little conversations here and there, but some of them have been more about um, other players, so yep. <laughs> what, what I think about them. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You never know what could happen. There could be a, a club, I suppose, that's um, focused on someone, taking someone tonight, and the pick before their pick, they get taken, and they've got to um, try and figure out who they're in there, and you never know. You never know what could happen, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I'm not going in with uh, any expectations, that's for sure, but... Um, yeah, see, see what could happen. Yeah, very true. Hey, you're, you're playing the West Coast Eagles Waffle this weekend. We've got Hamish Brayshaw coming up after 11 o'clock. Uh, they had a bit more of an improvement against South Fremantle on the weekend. They got blown away in that second quarter, seven goals to a point. Um, what are you expecting at Revo Fitness Stadium on the weekend? Oh, just uh, playing against some, some guys that are wanting to you know, come back from, from their start to the year. So it's definitely not going to be taking them lightly and by any, by any stretch of the imagination they're from one of the best organisations, sporting organisations um, in the country. Um, so I'm sure they've always got their method behind them that um, they can go out and execute. So, yeah, we're definitely going to try and prepare and improve on how we did last week. We probably approached the game against East Perth um, not not the best not in the best way and they came out and stayed within 
a point of us within the first first half. So, yeah, we've got to be riding our toes. Very much so. And you play against, I know you're pretty close to a couple of the boys at the West Coast Eagles waffle team and the like. So do you enjoy you know, challenging yourself against some AFL-listed players? Is that sort of the, the moment that you like to shine? And I know it's going to be too late for the mid-season draft to play well on the weekend, but you just sort of do send messages, don't you, when you play against AFL-quality players, some of those who are on that Eagles list? Yeah, I love to, I love to play against uh, guys who are in full time environments and and put you put yourself up and you're going to work every day and and doing what you can in your spare time to get yourself up to up to scratch, um, fitness wise and and education wise and that sort of stuff and to put yourself against someone who you know gets to improve on themselves yeah in a full time environment is a great challenge. So I've always loved coming up against. Uh, AFL aligned teams from when I was in the VFL to um, yeah to to now so so yeah I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate your time, mate. I look forward to looking at the mid-season draft tonight, and I would love the Bolter Bolton to name to <laughs> pop up somewhere, and I'd say, and it would be a it would be, I told you so. Thanks for joining us, mate. Appreciate your time. See how we go, mate. Thanks, mate. Good on you. There he is, Jai Bolton from the Claremont Football Club. And you just never know, do you? You just never know. Coming up after 11 o'clock, we'll be chatting with Hamish Brayshaw, of course, from the West Coast Eagles Waffle. But he'll be touching on base on all things Waffle. Lockie Taylor, get your tips ready, of course, because they are racing at, of course, Belmont today. First race goes at 12.39. And Brett Phillips, bit of drama at the French Open. Another star player in a media conference drama. Tell you more later. This is the Sporting Goss. It's time like this. Thanks for your company. This is our Wednesday edition, and I've just got my hands on the official record, the Sadug Nichols round, second week of Sadug Nichols round, of course, celebrating Dreamtime game, and I have it right in front of me, and if you are coming to the Dreamtime game, you got, you've just got to get yourself a copy of the record for a keepsake, and I can confirm that the Dreamtime game is officially sold out. 17 hours, 17 hours and a non-Eagles Dockers game sold out. Well done, WA. Well done, Essendon. Well done, Richmond. Well done, everybody and everyone at Optus as well. Mike McKenna, our guest off the top of the show. Well, that's great news. Great news. And uh, stay with us because coming up, we'll tell you who Gilly has got for the Friday Focus of course, Gillian Goss back on your radio at 6 o'clock on Friday. Part of our show on a Monday on Gillian Goss is Georgie Parker. She also joins us on Sporting Goss on a Wednesday. Georgie, commiserations to everyone in Melbourne. Another seven-day lockdown, of course, starting at midnight tonight. Yes, very disappointing. A lot of um, upset people, clearly. Um, a couple of easing restrictions, so Year 11s and 12s able to go to school which is really big for them. It's been a really, really tough for the kids. So I'm glad parents as well as the kids can get to school and um, have a little bit more normality. But it's a really tough day for a lot of Victorians. I mean, I'm I'm okay because I was very lucky to leave last year. Mm. I feel like a bit of a fraud if I were to be upset after the year that the Victorians had last year. So just another blow to them, um, just as we thought everything was getting back to normal and, um, you know, missing out on a lot of big things like that Dreamtime game, which is going to be massive over there. So I'm, I'm so excited for the people of WA to go to such a special game. That's a really, really good one. Yep. 
No doubt. And uh, looking forward to calling the action. I'll be doing the stadium call here on SEN. So anyone coming to the game downloads the app. They'll be able to get play-by-play, play, no delay. We'll give you the we'll give you the full stats. We'll give you around the grounds. We'll give you all the it's breaking news. Yeah, it's good fun. Looking forward to it. And there's nothing better yes. than calling an impartial game as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely, because then you're not going to get those tweets saying that you're a disgruntled <laughs> West Coast fan and you hate Fremantle. <laughs> I'll always get the I hate Fremantle. They just, they were, on a, they were on a mission yesterday. Wow. Oh, it's funny. It's funny. what They hear what they want to hear, don't they, the mm. Nuffies? But that's fine. Yep. That's fine. No, it'd be so exciting. And um, I'm, I'm so jealous. I wish I was there. But yeah, look, so it's so beautiful, Especially at Optus. With the, the lights mm-hmm. that you guys have mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. it's just so good. Like, how good was um, the weekend Sadugnickel's round? Yeah. You know, with those lights and the show that you can put on. It's the best stadium in the world for that. Um, it's the best stadium in Australia for that with, that with the light show. So it's going to be brilliant. Hey, just news just through, and you've yeah. uh, sent me a couple of things. Uh, oh, interesting enough news that... Um, uh, as we know, Naomi Osaka decided just for um, anxiety and, and her uh, her mental illness and, and the like that she's uh, out of the French Open after mm. pulling out and not wanting to do media. Um, are you torn between your opinions on this? And maybe she should have, and I say this, and I understand the anxiety and I understand the mental illness, she probably should have um, portrayed that a little bit earlier when she said she wasn't going to be doing media. Yeah, I'm very torn. And I think with this, you know, empathy often prevails and you should always tread on the line of kindness Mm. rather than anything else. Um, That's something that I try to live my life by. But at the same time, um, it's very important for the sport that things like this go ahead. I think that the way it was handled to begin with um, probably wasn't the the right way to go about it. I think there's it's never a good idea to throw out there's a problem without offering a way of solution, so a way of reconciling how she can fix this or, or the tournament can fix this, whether it's being, um, you know, shorter press conferences, whether things are being vetted a little bit more, whether there's off topics that are off limits, things like that way to help the tournament directors go about it rather than doing a blanket rule, I'm not doing this for this reason, approaching them prior, giving them some understanding, behind why um, I think that's what was probably the way that it became that, Mm. not hatred towards her, because I don't think you can hate her, but I think people, you know, throwing out the, it's part of your job, this is why you should do it kind of thing, because it is part of her job, right, but I think that well-being is the more important part of your job. So I'm still very, very torn about it. Um, And Venus Williams, um, I'm sure you've got the grab of it, spoke very well about how she handles it, because I think it's, it's a... It's a hard and um, anxiety-riddling thing to go in front of that many journos, but it's it's a difficult one. I think I'm torn. I'm sitting on the fence. I hate sitting on the fence of things. <laughs> Have a listen. This is how I Venus hate. Williams, when asked how she deals with media conferences and press conferences. For me personally, how I quote, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. So that's how I deal with it. Um, but each person deals with it differently. I'm not exactly in that camp in regards to people having an opinion or knowledge of a game or asking questions in press conferences. I understand where she's coming from and she's confident in her response. But let me just say, the late, great Bill Collins called over 30 Melbourne Cups and was never a horse jockey or trainer but knew more about racing than anybody. Yeah, but I think it's what she meant by that is if anything negative was to be written about her, it wasn't necessarily about her as a person or anything like that. I don't know. I think it's her way of 
separating the two. Okay. Um, so that's how I kind of read that of hmm. um, of her being able to go, do you know what, I still have this and I'm still a good player. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's her, and like she said, it's everyone has to approach things differently and some people do want to just hide in their shell and that's Naomi. She's a very shy person. Hmm. You can see, you know, the images of her when she beats Venus, uh, sorry, Serena mm. at the US Open. She covers her face. She's a mm. very shy, introverted person. So it's difficult when part of your job is by being watched by millions and millions of people around the world. Mm. So I guess she's got to find how she can um, deal with it. And I, I agree with you. I don't think that you need to be an ex-player to be able to be an AFL journo or have an opinion on no. sport. I don't think that at all. But um, that's the, her way of, of dealing with that separation of her as an individual as opposed to her as a tennis player. I, I think. think we're better for knowing that Naomi Osaka's admission of her uh, problem with anxiety and, and mental illness. I think that's uh, better for her. I think it's going to be for better for everyone. I think it's probably yeah. going to be better for the tennis media community as well when she does make her return. Just in regards to the press conferences and people tripping up, and I mean literally tripping up. Oh, my God. What about this? You've got some news on another French Open star who's out of the tournament, also something to do with the media conferences. Oh, can you imagine? So, can you say a name for me? Because you're better at saying <laughs> Petra Kvitova. I don't want to get it wrong. That's it, Kvitova. She sprained her ankle at a press conference. You could not write this worse to tournament directors there at the French Open. You've had one player withdrawing because she doesn't want to go to press conferences and the onslaught coming from it. Now, another person has sprained their ankle at a press conference after a game and now has to withdraw from the, the tournament. I just can't imagine just their PR department and just overdrive at the moment. 100%. Now, the Dreamtime game is sold out, but you've got uh, – Jared Whateley has said on his show this mm-hmm. morning, let's get Big Free 7 to the Adelaide Oval, give it the festive atmosphere and meaning it deserves. Everyone's rallied behind the Dreamtime game. South Australia footy public would cherish the Big Freeze, sell it out, put Blighty down the slide. If you can't, there's no point having it at an empty MCG. How do you think? Yeah, I would love that. I, and I agree. I think you've got to think about what's the best thing for the charity here. Um, so, I mean, I don't know how their numbers go in terms of what they could take it. Do they get a percentage of what comes out of the G? Not too sure, but they certainly do have a better coverage. Therefore, people are watching it. Therefore, people are donating it. And then the federal government chime in yep. dollar for dollar and all that sort of stuff. So I just think as an event, a TV event, you need a crowd. And that's what Adelaide Oval will be able to provide. Yeah, definitely. And it kind of goes on to that... Um, that push, I guess, for all these kind of marquee events to not only be at the G, it's kind of maybe a trial and the Dreamtime game showing this, that you can put these events elsewhere and that the public reception to them is going to be phenomenal still. So I'd love this to be moved because I think the players themselves, they hate playing in front of empty stadiums. Yeah. I don't know the logistics behind it. I'm, I'm not privy to that kind of thing, but I'm with um, Waitley in this that things like this, what it's about it's about people rallying together and having it in front of an empty crowd um isn't good for the players or potentially the the um charity itself so i'd love it adelaide oval beautiful place to play for mm. boys love it um and adelaide's such a proud footy state just like wa just like victoria is but sometimes we get lost in the vfl nature of of the AFL, so I'd love it to, to be moved. Yeah, Jared yeah, Whateley, Big Free 7 Adelaide over. It will certainly grow legs, I'm sure. And how does this make you feel? Um, tell us a bit about Lauren I'm Young. Sure. Lauren Young, she plays for Norwood in the the Sandville Women, 15 years old. <laughs> Gosh, what were you doing when you were 15? What were you, you doing when you were 15? Oh, you don't want to know. 
No. Well, what she's done, she's gone and won the Stanford Women's Best and, League Best and Fairest, not Club Best and Fairest, League Best and Fairest at 15 years old. Wow. 15. I was dating, a, I was dating a girl who was a fan of the Bay City Rollers at 15. <laughs> I, I was doing nothing of note when I was 15, but 15 years old. And this is just showcasing. I mean, some some haters might come out and say, oh, it's just showing the, the level of the women playing footy. But what it's showcasing to me is just the girls that are able to play. She was 10 years old. When About a minute here, guys. She was playing through odds kick from when she was five. She's played longer than people who were playing AFL women's have played for. And just showcasing that these kids are going to be coming through and just going to be able to rip the AFL women's open when they come through. I'm just so excited. So seeing stuff like that, it makes me excited. It makes me jealous in a, in a massive way. I wish I was able to do that. Um, but I'm so excited. And Lauren Young, 15 years old, AFL women's best and fairest. Got to go. Got to go. News is on the way. Thanks for the chat. We'll awesome. speak to you on Monday. Always. Have a great weekend. Stay safe over there. Thanks, mate. Wash your hands. Yeah, good on you. Georgie Parker joining us each and every Wednesday on Sporting Goss, and you'll hear her on Monday morning with Gillian Goss out of 6.30. We'll take a break. Come back. News at the top of the hour. Hamish Brayshaw talking waffle football and West Coast waffle next. This is the Sporting Goss. What a first hour. Hope you enjoyed it. Just repeating the news, the dream time on the Swan here at Optus Stadium is sold out. Now, the allocation of tickets to some members of Essendon and Richmond, they might be returns. So keep an ear and an eye out. Um, I'm led to believe, or just get this uh, confirmed, further tickets may become available as a result of the unused allocations. If so, a secondary release of tickets will occur Friday at 11 o'clock our time. Tickets will be strictly limited and subject to availability. So if you're looking to go, keep an eye out online at Ticketmaster at 11 o'clock on Friday morning because that's when the uh, return of unused allocations will be known. Coming up after 11 o'clock, Hammer Brayshaw from the West Coast Eagles Waffle, but he will be talking all things waffle. Lockie Taylor has a winner for us. Also, Brett Phillips talking French Open. And we will tell you who the Friday focus is on Gillian Goss. A colourful cricketer, to say the least. Don't forget, always get in touch with us anytime you like. Love your feedback, 0487 736 736. Loving today's show? I'm glad you are too. This is the Sporting Goss. News is next and then plenty more in the second hour. Been a busy show. Thanks for your company. In this next hour, we've still got Lockie Taylor to give us a winner for Belmont and Brett Phillips talking all things Ash Barty and, of course, the French Open. But let's concentrate yeah, on WFL footy, but uh, with Hamish Brayshaw, the captain of the Waffle Eagles, who joins us in the studio on this Wednesday. First things first, one quarter of footy blew your mob out of the water on the weekend. Yes, it did. Uh, thanks for having me back, Goss. Uh, didn't think we'd get the invite back after the weekend. Oh, no, no. You're always a welcome, mate. <laughs> no. We'll be here. We're here when you lose and we'll be here when you yeah, win. Yeah, beautiful. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Uh, yeah, the second quarter killed us. I mean, seven goals to one point it was in the second quarter. Um, and that really put us out. Like, we've, we were chasing tail pretty much the rest of the day. If you take that second quarter out, we lose by three goals. Um, I thought we were really competitive in the first quarter, third, sec, uh, third and fourth. But... Yeah, the, the way it's been trending is just one quarter that's been letting us down. Talk about, um, yeah, you lost a player pre-game too, I think. Fitzgerald. Yes, Fitzgerald went what down. What happened there? He, uh, he had a sore hamstring and, and, you know, to his credit, he put his hand up and said, look, I'm probably not good to go here and, and ruled himself out or, you know, collaboration, but ruled themselves out. Mm. And then, I mean, the way it's been, we've, we've had injuries in the first half every week. So the fact that he was able to step aside and we brought an emergency in meant we, um, we had an extra on the field. So... 
that was uh, that was very much greatly appreciated. But yeah, he was uh, he was out. Moved, had to move Cal Jamison down back, which was actually a pretty inspired move. Played some pretty good footy down there, so worked out in the end. It did. Uh, okay, so onwards and upwards there. Now, just talk a bit about you. Later tonight, it is the AFL mid-season draft. Your name is in there, and if you just don't enter, then you've got no chance. And, and we've spoken to Jai Bolton. He said his grandmother went in lotto, goes in lotto every Thursday night, <laughs> and says if you're not in it, you can't win it. Exactly. You've got to be in it to win it. Um, I personally won't be paying any attention to it, won't be watching it. My phone will be probably on the phone charger. If they, if it goes off, it goes off. But uh, no, I'm not really expecting much tonight. All right. Uh, but, but one player that did play in the Waffle Eagles on the weekend, and I don't know how it all came about, but some say that the club decided to get him down to try out was Jared Garland. How did he yes. go? He went well. I mean, we in the first quarter, he was looked really damaging, kicked a good goal, um, looked exciting down there, and then we just didn't really get any supply, so he uh, his uh, influence was limited. But um, he has 30 AFL games experience, which he's 29 more than our entire waffle list combined. Uh, he's, <laughs> you know, he, he's obviously played a lot of footy. He's a senior head, knows the game, and, you know, Probably knows how South Korea well, that's where he's come from. But, um, yeah, just that experience and an and, and additional sort of skilled level player that uh, we're really, you know, in desperate need of. So you, you know, You're obviously not on list management, but do you think he's got some upside if the West Coast were to go down that way tonight? Well, oh, yeah, I'm not a list manager, but definitely has upside. I mean, he was a top – he was picked number 15 in the 2014 draft. Um, you know, he's played some pretty good AFL footy, so – and has taken some time off to spend time with his kids. In so. condition? Yeah, in in pretty good condition. Plays, you know, he's speedy, quick, and okay. um, uh, yeah, I, I think if he um, if it's not mid season, if it's the end of the year, I think he's definitely got AFL footy left in him. But one thing's for sure, he's uh, obviously a, a nice bonus for the Waffle Eagles. Yeah, absolutely, a massive, massive win for us. Mm. Alrighty, uh, let's turn our attention to this weekend's fixtures, of course. And you've got Claremont, so it doesn't get any easier. The, no, Mighty, Tigers, yeah, the Mighty Tigers, uh, which is a, a club which is synonymous to the Brayshaw family. Yes, it is. I'll be uh, walking past Revo Fitness Stadium, seeing Dad on the wall on the way in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and giving him a little wave. Yeah, but, and uh, a grandfather who played in the premiership. Yep, grandfather played in the premiership. Dad played in the premiership. Uh, I think my uncle, uncle played uncle in the reserves played, premiership. Yeah, I think uncle yeah. Played, played in the reserves premiership. So the, uh, there is a few Brayshaws that have played down there and uh, and it's always interesting Wait to go up against them. And they're going to be good. They are. They're a very good side. They've been um, had a very good year sitting on top. Eagle with yeah. Subi, I think. Yep, from, um, correct. Yep, so no, they're playing good footy. Um, there's some players that we need to watch out for. They've Bolton's always damaging. Martinez has been really good over mm. the last sort of month. So... We've got to watch out for a few of these players, but you know, four quarters of four quarters of footy, and that's uh, that'll hopefully see us competitive. Hamish Brayshaw, our guest, uh, the West Coast Eagles waffle captain, but talking all things waffle. Let's turn our attention to the other games, and uh, tomorrow night, yes, at MRP Mineral Resources Park, it is Perth versus Subiaco. We spoke to Lee Kitchen uh, on the uh, show yesterday. He said it's a captain's run, but with a bit more physicality on a Thursday night. Yeah, well, I mean, I, the other if you had asked me who would win this game two weeks ago, I would have said Subi by mile. But mm. Perth have, um, you know, even with all their injuries, they're just rocking up and they're playing some really good footy. So I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I'll be, uh, I'm working tomorrow, so I'll be popping in afterwards and yeah. having a watch. It'll yeah. be definitely a good game. Good luck getting your car park over that way. <laughs> Perth versus Subiaco. So who are you tipping? I'm tipping Subiaco. Okay, Subiaco, but Perth will uh, come in close. Yes. Uh, night games. I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful venue and the like. Uh, the, the lights to train under over at MRP? Yeah, great. It's um, almost too bright at some points. No, they're, uh, they're state-of-the-art facilities there, and, and the lights will be perfect. So it's a great spot to play night footy. All righty. Now, let's talk about – you can only sort of talk about some, some of the general form, but teams that you've played against. Peel versus Swan Districts. That's at David Gray's Arena down at Mandra on Saturday at 10 past two. 
Yeah, um, I, I thought Peel were pretty. I thought they were going to be a good sniff last week. Disappointing. I think they'll bounce back. Uh, Swans are a great side. I think I'd like them at home though, so I'm going to go with Peel. Yeah, it's a long way to go from Masso to. Sure is. <laughs> it's like going to Yanchi. Amanda. Alrighty, and then Monday there's two fixtures. Of course, we've got the long weekend. It is East Perth, West Perth, so we've got the Perth Derby and East Fremantle, South Fremantle at New Choice Homes Park, which is at, uh, at East Fremantle down there in Moss Street. So East Perth, West Perth at Leaderville. I like East Perth there. I mean, West Perth have been have been gettable the last couple of weeks. They got done on the weekend by Perth. Um, and, yeah, I think East Perth are in some... I mean, they played well against us. They might have, they could have beaten South the week before. They're playing some okay football. I think they're, uh, I think they're a real sniff. Any upside to a Janga Jang playing at another level? He's, I know he's been through the system before, but uh, uh, they don't get any smaller those blokes, do they? I no, mean, they might, don't. Might be a fitness thing only for him. Big body, but gee, he's got some physical presence. Yeah, he does, and he's so skillful for you know for a big bloke. He, he uses the ball well. He's got such good coordination in the ruck, and is it? Yeah, you said he's athletic, he's physical, and he's. I mean, I definitely think there's some upside to him for sure. Upside for West Perth is that Nelson only had 18 possessions against Perth. Yeah, he's got he another averages he, of it another yeah, 35. He can comfortably get to 40, so <laughs> he might double that one this week. And East Fremantle, South Fremantle, okay, fresh from playing South Fremantle. East Fremantle have been about the place, but they're probably still on the. Uh, Still got a bit of work to do. Who wins? Yeah, this is a tough game. I mean, East Freo blew us away. So I, uh, if I was going on who you mm-hmm. know, who played better against us, I'd probably say East Freo. I think having it at Shark Park is good for them. They play okay. that. They play the ground really well. Um, it's, I think it'll be a really close one. If I'm going to have to toss a coin, I'll go East Freo. Is that right? I'm going to go with East Freo. Look at you, week. go yeah. Hammer. All righty, and give me a reason why there's some hope that the West Coast Waffle fans can expect, uh, and you can get the live stream if you can't get to Revo Fitness. Love you to go there and support the boys, of course. But if you can't get there, the live stream, I'll be calling the action with Cam Palmer. Steve Bandy Thumper's having the weekend off. He's going away, is he, Thumper? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not available. Yeah. But anyway, give me a reason why there's uh, some hope for Eagles fans to get excited. Um, I think for us, it's just playing four quarters. I mean, the last week you look at it, if you take the second quarter out of it, we, we, we're pretty close with three goals in it. Um, and there is some fundamental skill errors, which we, we acknowledge. You know, we're still a young list. We're still learning. But I think if we can put together four quarters, which I think we're gearing up towards, we, we can be competitive against any side. I mean, you look at all the games we've played this year, take away the quarters where we've lapsed off, we, we're in it. We're right in the game. So four quarters is what we're striving to do. And if we do that, win, lose or draw, it'll be a competitive game and one that I think fans will be proud of. All righty. So if you're doing your tips now in the Waffle competition or don't forget, gamble responsibly. Of course. Subiaco to beat Perth. Yep. West Coast to beat Claremont in a yeah, close one. Yeah, in a close one. <laughs> yeah, don't laugh, Goss. You wait and see. <laughs> I, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I'm going to call it. Uh, Peel, Thunder, Swan Districts. Uh, I've gone with Peel. You have. You've gone for East Perth in an upset. Yes, I West have gone East Perth. And you've gone East Shermanlo to South Yeah, I have. Yeah. Cool tips? Yeah, it's, but, but, it's good fun. Good yeah, memory, it, it, doesn't it? It does. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're my tips for the weekend. Ah, nice work by you. Uh, and the dream time here is looks like it's going to be a sellout. We've spoken to Mike McKenna. Yeah. We've spoken to Gary O'Donnell, who now resides in Perth, as we yeah. know. He's that passionate about it. How good is it going to be? Oh. You being a Victorian, you yeah. know what it's like and what an occasion it is. It's massive over there, and I'm really excited to see how it'll go at Optus. I mean, when there's... 90,000 at the G, the lights go off, mm. the, they put the light show on there, the didgeridoo's part. It is just, it is seriously spine, it's spine tingling stuff. Like it is amazing. And I think the Waffle Stadium, or the, oh, sorry, the Optus Stadium sets itself up mm. for that sort of, you know, environment. The light show, even last week in, um, 
in uh, Sir Doug Nichols' round was amazing. So I think they're going to take it to another level this week. It'll be really, really good game. Brilliant stuff. And happy birthday to Luke Shuey today. Yeah, good on you, Boots. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. No worries. Thanks for having me. Hammer Brayshaw, he's a good man. He knows his waffle footy. He's the captain of the Waffle Eagles, and he is an absolute ripper, and we were good to have him on board Sporting Goss. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Lockie Taylor, not too far away. Get your tips ready for Belmont races today. The first goes after 12 o'clock. This is the Sporting Goss. Uh, good on you, Hammer. Thanks for joining us, great man. And yes, uh, Lockie Taylor, just around the corner. Just a text in. Thanks, Mark, from Subiaco. Got tickets to the Dreamtime with some mates. Frio member, so it'd be great to go to a neutral game. Hopefully we have clear weather. Look forward to the walk of the bridge with Long and Wanganeen. Weather forecast is a shower or two, 21 degrees, but very, very minor rain. And if you've got a ticket, doesn't matter, does it? Still come to the footy. Plenty of undercover. Um, you come. It is a winter sport after all. It is a great venue. Hey, news just through also. The Perth Wildcats start their final series next Thursday. It is uh, the 12th of June. Their 35th, sorry, Thursday the 10th of June. It's their 35th consecutive NBL finals appearance. It's at RAC Arena. Still to decide who they're going to play, but tickets go on sale very, very shortly in the playoffs. All right. Perth Wildcats members will be able to secure their seats from midday today until 12 o'clock Friday, and then general public uh, tickets go on sale at 5 o'clock Friday. So just repeating the news, if you're a Perth Wildcats fan, First game, June 10, RAC Arena, 7.30. So that's the ticket time that the game time is to uh, a time to be fixed. Member pre-sale, if you're a Perth Wildcats member, tickets go on sale from noon today until Friday noon. That's when you get your tickets. And the general public, your tickets go on sale 5 o'clock Friday as well. Game one of the semi-final series, of course, the NBL Finals semi-final game one. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We're going to try and contact Ben Dolan, former Sydney Swan and Essendon footballer who runs arguably the biggest bus company here in Western Australia, employs 900 people. He's making the journey to Waluna on the weekend to pick up some boys and bring them back to WA, uh, back to the metropolitan area. He'll explain more and they hopefully will be getting to the dream time here at Optus Stadium. We'll be chatting with Ben Doolan. If he takes our call, he's been in a meeting all morning. That is on the way. And, of course, still to come, who is the Friday focus? He's a bit of a colourful Aussie cricketer. That is on the way. Yes, it is a bit of a mystery. Certainly dominating the chatter this morning on our show has been the dream time here at Optus Stadium. Mike McKenna, early doors, said it would be a sellout. It is. It is sold out, and that would be music to the ears of a man who played over 70 games for the Bombers, started out at the Sydney Swans, but has been living in WA as a very successful businessman for a long time, and that is Ben Doolan. He's been kind enough to join us on the show, out of a meeting and kind enough to take our call. Ben, appreciate your time. You must be pumped for Saturday night. Oh, I can't wait, Tim. Exciting. So, Ben, just explain to our listeners how long you've been in WA and the bus companies that you run. I know you employ almost a 1,000 people, which is absolutely brilliant. How long have you been in the West, mate? Uh, so I came over in 2003. Um, uh, my wife and I um, are married to Western Australia, luckily enough. So um, we came over in 2003, and our company, the ATG Group, we've got oh, um, some brands like Mandra Bus Charters or Bus West, which people probably see around the... Um, the metro area and Pilbara car and truck rentals and the Pilbara and stuff in Carafa, etc. 
and some stuff in Northern Territory in Victoria as well. Absolutely brilliant. And obviously you're still very fond of, you know, you started out at the Sydney Swans, but you played most of your footy at Essendon. You must have been pumped. We spoke to Gary O'Donnell earlier in the show. Pretty pumped with the way they went against West Coast on the weekend. Uh, it was a very pleasant uh, train ride back into the city from uh, Optus. It doesn't happen very often over here. I think it was a, my wife and I were saying I think it's the second time or third time in 17 years or 18 years we've been here that we've had a victory. So few and far between. Yeah, anyway, they were very good. And the news through that you're playing Richmond, 60,000, packed house, um, significant game, a game that Essendon and Richmond have done so proudly since the early 2000s. And to see it here, a light show, the walk, uh, the, the long walk to the ground with Longy and and also Gavin Wanganeen and others. Um, and uh, Gary also said there'll be 30 or 40 ex-Bomber players all in one group at the footy as well. It's going to be a huge occasion for everybody. No, it's fantastic. Really exciting. Really exciting. Speak to me about your involvement because someone texted the mower man who uh, listens to SEN religiously, uh, put out, he said, I believe that Ben Doolan, who will be going to Waluna, we know is a remote Aboriginal community, almost 1,000 k's northeast of Perth, and bringing some boys back, but not specifically for the dream time at the O. You were doing this anyway. Can you explain what that bus trip's all about? Oh, yes. Uh, some friends of mine in the Dalkeith Nedlands Junior Football Club and the Mara Foundation have had a like a year-on-year-off event where they take you know seven to twelve-year-olds. One year go to Aluna from Perth, and the other year the boys come down and girls come down in Perth and they have a bit of a, a community weekend together which is planned for this weekend which involves you know getting them together and originally the plan was to you know go and watch Claremont play on Saturday and then we've got a big open day on Sunday and stuff so I've done the bus for a couple of years and I just love it and that's a great thing so I'd offered to drive up and pick them up in the space and just being so convenient that this all our plans are a bit askew now because there's a great chance for these guys from Maluna to come down and participate in the great dream time game that it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. The timing could not be better. What an excitement, uh, exciting time for those boys. So, hey, it's a fair bus ride up, mate. You take the empty bus back or do uh, or do you actually pick up a bus from up there? I mean, how do you go about no, that? Was, uh, uh, so it's an empty bus up and then we'll come bring back full. So I've got <laughs> a, a, a friend who's got a bus licence as well who's going to help me out. So um, we're trying to do it as um, the... We all, it's all a bit of a fundraiser yeah. for the um, foundation for helping that. So we're trying to keep the cost to a minimum, which is I'm happy to love to donate my time and spend that in the bus and that. So it's all, all good. And you've managed to s- secure good. some tickets. You get, did you put the heavy hit on uh, on Sheeds, mate? Oh, Sheeds is fantastic promoting it and stuff, and he's all over it. So, yeah, we, all the kids from Maluna have got a ticket. And, um, yeah, can't wait. We're all very excited to take them, and they're going to walk with Longy and meet him before the, the long walk and all that. So... Very um, special time. That is amazing. That is fantastic. Well done to you, mate. And, and I know you do donate your time. It's a, it's a pretty big thing to do. So when do you when do you head up to pick up the boys and uh, and bring them back? When do they arrive back in town? Uh, well, we're leaving the at seven a.m. Friday morning, so we'll be back at oh, five or six o'clock on Friday night, and then take them back on Monday. So <laughs> It'll be a noisy old bus trip. A... They'll love it. No, don't be right. We'll get a few DVDs going. <laughs> You're taking one of your yeah, you're, ta- you're, ta- you're taking one of your plush coaches up there. Yeah, yeah, got a, yeah. All, all, 
Five-star luxury for these boys. No worries about that. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, let's hope the Bombers put on a show as well. It is significant, isn't it? Um, you know, and, and games against Richmond are always exciting. But, gee, with the way Essendon are going, and, you know, Richmond are only getting in late into town, and, and Essendon have been here all week since beating West Coast. In fact, they were here sort of earlier last week as well. Um, gee, you, you rate your chances of, of winning and certainly staying in the mix for a finals game. Well, you can only hope, I, you know, Obviously, Eagles ran out of legs a little bit on the weekend, but um, you know, and we sort of benefit from that. But that's got to give them some confidence mm. and yeah, climatisation. I, I think we're a real champ. Yeah, very good. Hey, mate, appreciate. I know you were sort of you're very much under understated, and you like to go under the radar a little bit. But mate, significant what you're doing for these boys as part of the Delkeith Netherlands Eagles, and of course, uh, uh, it happens every year. It's a year on year off arrangement. I know it's special for that football club and special for the boys of Waluna up there in the northeast. Thanks for joining us, mate, and I hope it's a great weekend. I'm sure it will be. Okay, thanks, Tim. Good on you, mate. There is Ben Doolan. So, uh, fantastic. So, he runs a a huge bus company here in WA and has for many, many years, and he's donating his time to drive up to Waluna with a mate who's got his bus licence to drive the boys back Friday they will, we're planning to have a weekend and go to the Waffle Footy and watch Claremont play against the West Coast Eagles Waffle Team. They've now got tickets to come to Optus, courtesy of, uh, well, I don't know what strings he pulled, but I think Sheeds might have had something to do with it. What an occasion for those Indigenous boys to come down from Waluna, come to Optus, to walk to the ground with Michael Long, Gavin Wanganeen and other Indigenous and Essendon stars as well, and then play on Sunday against the Delkeith Netherlands footy boys. That is grassroots footy. That is support done at its best. Well done, Ben Doolan. Well done, Delkeith Netherlands. And we look forward to seeing the smiling faces of the boys from Waluna. What do you think of that? That is just fantastic. 0487 736 736. Thanks to the mole man who let us know. Gil McLaughlin had this message to the players. He sent out this message to all the players, I think, online. I think he might have addressed them live on social, on um, online technology. Uh, this is what he had to say about the, uh, the hubs and the possibility of hubs going forward with the COVID situation in Victoria. I want to say specifically that we are not envisaging hubs um, they are our last term resort. We think we can navigate through the next few weeks with, um, you know, surges here and there, one, two, three weeks max. And we'll get you back and we'll work our way through this. And that, um, please don't think hubs are on the near-term agenda because they're not. There's a lot of uncertainty and they are our last resort. And I just want you guys to know that. Uh, that's pretty strong messaging, I think, from Gil McLaughlin. I know Jack Revolt was not keen to uh, get involved in a hub. Um, Christian Petraka had this to say on AFL 360 about hubs. From my, my behalf, I think I probably would go up to a hub. I think I got really no responsibility back home. Well, I think at the end of the day, we're humans. I think off-field matters more important than, than football. And if guys want to make that decision, you know, I don't think there'd be any negativity towards it. I think that's what's best for their family and what's best for their future. And, yeah, I think I'll be more than happy for them to stay at home with their families. Very true. So uh, a lot of the single blokes or the blokes with no kids or no real requirements back in their metropolitan area, uh, wherever that may be in their footy club environment, are saying, look, we'd love to go. I know that Oscar Allen spoke to Oscar on the West Coast podcast, Coast to Coast, and he he loved the hub arrangement. He said it got better the second time around when everyone sort of knew what they were getting in for and there was better planning around it. Uh, Paul Marsh also had this to say in regards to hubs being off the table. Asked whether hubs were definitely off the table. He had this to say, Paul Marsh, head of the Players Association, with Gary and Tim on SEN Melbourne this morning. 
Well, you know, I think last resort is um, is, a, is a high bar to climb. I think what it means is that every other avenue will be um, explored before it gets to that. I think, you know, I heard you guys talking before. I mean, we don't know what's ahead here, but from a player's perspective, um, you know, it is something that, you know, they're desperately trying to avoid, I think, for obvious reasons. So, um, you know, I, I would hope not. We, we won't end up in there, and I think there are a lot of other avenues we can explore before we need to look at that. That's Paul Marsh, of course. Now, we've been holding on to this for a little time. Gilly, Friday focus. After 7 o'clock, Gilly is going one-on-one with a man we know as Funky Miller. I, I am lost for words. What is that? Well, it suggests that uh, he's saying, I'm Colin Miller. I bowled 28 overs yesterday and only got one wicket. Uh, Stuart McGill picked up seven, and I think uh, Courtney, Courtney Walsh is laughing. He can't believe it. I've never seen that in a test match. He's coming down. I think he's appealing against the reflection off the head. Oh, the crowd are roaring here at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Wanting to make sure it's Colin Miller. Blue hair. Blue hair. Colin Funky Miller. Now lives in the United States, and he will be the guest in Friday Focus with Gilly. What a great delivery right there. And then looking forward to the show between 6 and 8 on Friday. If you do need any catch-ups, get onto sen.com.au or wherever good podcasts are found. You can get all the shows. You can get interviews one-on-one. You can get whatever you like. But download the app, sen.com.au, also on the website, and get to download any of our interviews as well. And just repeating the news, the... AFL record, if you are coming to Dreamtime, grab yourself a copy of the record. I have got a celebrating Dreamtime game. Pictures of McDonald, Tip and Woody. Also, of course, um, Darcy Parrish, Trent Cotchin, Dusty Martin, Shy Bolton and Dyson Heppel on the front cover. Get your copy of the AFL record when you get here. It is a collector's item and only $5 and it is going to be an absolute ripping occasion on Saturday. Let's get the news away. Get your pen and paper ready. Lockie Taylor not far away. We'll also be talking French Open with Brett Phillips, Ash Barty through, but injured. All that and more still to come. This is Wednesday's edition of Sporting Goss. Racing across the road at Belmont Park, not too far away. In fact, the uh, races go in less than an hour and we speak with Lockie Taylor on Sporting Goss. Form analyst, of course, from the great Taylor family. And he, uh, well, he didn't quite come up trumps last week, but if you followed him on the weekend, you would have got plenty of winners there, of course, including the Velvet King who took out the feature race. He joins us now. Lockie, appreciate your time. A chance to bounce back with our Sporting Goss listeners on a Wednesday. Good morning, Goss. I'm glad you invited me back on. I redeemed myself to, to some extent on Saturday afternoon, but last Wednesday was an absolute disgrace. So I'm out to do much, much better this afternoon. All righty, but it is an incredibly tough program. And, and a lot of punters who listen uh, to races or follow form guides or whatever, they like to have a bet in every race. But you just do the form for the entire program, and unless there's something that jumps off the page, you won't dabble. Without doubt. I think that's an important part of being a form analyst and a punter who takes his punting relatively seriously is that you watch every race in WA and you simply just can't be betting into every race because 
the fact of the matter is you probably won't be making money. So it's key to find value. And if you only have one bet for the meeting like there is this afternoon, then so be it. And we can save our money for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, very much so. Lockie Taylor, our guest on Sporting Goss. Get your pen and paper ready and always gamble responsibly. Okay, so I'm suggesting the first race goes at 12.39 and that's where the winner comes from. It sure is. So we're going in the first with number one enticing. He's a horse from our own stable, actually. So I know for a fact that he's going well behind the scenes. So that's not the reason I like him. From a form perspective, we changed it round two starts ago when breaking his maiden. He was a horse that was typically ridden for speed in the early parts of his races. We then decided to ride him a little bit more conservative, and we've seen a different horse since. In particular, his last start was in Class 3 company. Today's only a Class 1, so he comes back in grade. And I really like the form reference behind a horse called Wiener Waltz and also Material Witness. Enticing ran fourth. Those horses ran first and second, respectively. And I actually have a really good opinion of those horses. I think in time, we'll see them on a Saturday perform really well at Belmont Park. So the fact that Enticing was within two lengths of horses like Wiener Waltz and Material Witness coming back to a Class 1 Two kilos comes off with the informed claim of Lactara Molly. I think he's found a really good race. And most importantly, he's in the third line of betting at $4.60 at the moment with Tab Touch. And I just think the current favourite, Shrew Flutter, and the second favourite in playing Red are just a touch under the odds. So I'm happy to take them on and play enticing at $4.60 in the open-up. Yeah, well, get on early. It is only no third dividend, of course, but it is $4.60 straight out, $2.20 on the fixed odds on Tab Touch. That's how you work. Race one, number one. I've heard that many, many times by form analysts. If you get race one, number one, it's normally a good start to the day. And it does wear the West Coast Eagles colours. Who's behind the West Coast Eagles colours in the household? They are Dad's colours for many, many a year now. Dad's been a trainer for near on 25 to 30 years, and that's his colours from when he first started training. So, fingers crossed, enticing goes a little bit better than the Eagles always did on Saturday night <laughs> against the Bombers. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your time. We're short and sharp today, but race one, number one for Lockie Taylor. You can follow him on social media and hear him on Sky Channel, of course. He's a wonderful form analyst. Appreciate your time, mate. Have a good day at the track. Cheers, Goss. You too. There's Lockie Taylor joining us on the Sporting Goss. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I mean it's going to be it's going to be a little bit tough this week. I think um, over over the weekend we had a uh, a bit of a flare up through through my left hip, which was um, yeah obviously just needed needed a bit of help today and needed some assistance to um, to try and release it off as best I could. But um, no, I think it's. We're able to, to fight through. We're able to give ourselves a chance to, to play again in the next round. And um, today was all about going out there and, and giving myself a chance and, and letting myself um, play with as much freedom as possible and, and enjoy every minute. And we're able to do that today. Yeah, I think every every uh, match that I play and every different uh, experience, whether it's a, against an opponent or or a physical challenge, I think feel like you you learn um, to, to overcome it and you learn to accept it. And that was a, a massive part of today was accepting the fact that, yes, I may not be absolutely 100%, but um, I'm certainly good enough to go out there and fight and, and do the best that I can and give myself a chance to win to win matches. So uh, I'm not going to hide behind the fact that I'm not, not quite 100%, but um, I can guarantee that, that I'll go out there with, with the right attitude every day and be really accepting of that and, and give it a crack no matter what. So I think it's... Um, you know, it's it's a week. It's going to be tough, no, uh, with without a doubt. But I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to play uh, and have another opportunity to to be playing in a Grand Slam. 
Ash Barty up and about after getting through her first round clash, but it may have come at a price. One man who's been across it doing some very good things on the television through this and working late nights and sleeping during the day, and oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where to start with the great man, but it is Brett Phillips who is our go-to on SEM when it comes to the game of tennis. BP, appreciate your time. What sort of day was it for the Australians? Good morning. Yeah, g'day guys. Nice to chat. Uh, look, it was a much better than the day before. I mean, four out of five. With no, there was no expectations with Alexi Popperin, although he probably should have taken a set at least off Rafael Nadal. Five three, a couple of set points, and uh, just would have made the match interesting. Uh, but the others were really, really impressive. Yeah, as you heard there from Ash, I mean, she's not a hundred percent. She's been on the road now for a few weeks, mm. and little things just sort of creep in. But she found a way to win. And sort of one match at a time, uh, and, and a day off between matches. She was slated to play doubles as well. I, I would think she's probably going to uh, pull out of that to make sure she's cherry right for the singles. Uh, the physios will be going to work, and uh, she's always a little bit sheepish, Ash, with her injuries. Doesn't give too much away, but she was probably more candid than I've seen her in the past. And her presser just to highlight, well, yes, I'm about 100, percent and I'm going to battle through and. And, um, you know, most players carry some form of injury. But the other Aussies were terrific. Uh, Alex Demonor, our number one male, probably our you know, most low-profile uh, number one male. Yeah. Everyone you know, still talks about Kyrgios and everyone else still, and he hasn't played for so many months, uh, Nick. But, yeah, Alex, I think any time he can win in straight sets is a good day because he plays a lot of long, grinding matches. Uh, you know, he's in a driver's seat and it extends to five. But, yeah, his opponent... I mean, he made 62 unforced errors, Trevallier, overnight. So uh, that didn't help his cause. And Alex was nice and steady. Mm. And, you know, he mightn't peak. He mightn't peak, Goss, for another six or seven years, Alex Demonor. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's what sort of uh, others are doing now in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, Astra Sharma uh, from the West. Oh, the uh, great, great West Aussie, mate. Girl. The great West Aussie, Astra Sharma. Well, she's one of the most impressive uh, young people I've met in tennis. I mean, Astra's articulate. Uh, and that... And that sort of carries over onto the tennis court. You know, she went to college for four years, came onto the tour just a little bit later, won her first WTA title going back a month or so ago. That was on clay also. And the good part about her game, where I think she can elevate a little higher, is the serve. And we've seen what it's done for Barty, you know, getting up to double-figure ace counts in her matches. And she's got that nice kicker serve. Uh, wins points is a little easier. Um, yeah, got through in uh, against a Romanian qualifier who was a little bit of a danger, having come through, having come through and played three tough matches. Um, James Duckworth, right under Duck. Yeah, he sweats as much as uh, not as much as Crothy did in the day. Uh, I reckon he went through at least uh, probably ten changes of shirt overnight. It was quite warm in Paris, but he won in four. And you know he's had a lot of injuries across the journey, but he's one I love watching because he's, he's prepared to serve volley and and make things happen on a tennis court. So maybe he's set to play his best tennis at, you know, 29, 30, 31 and get to a career high. He's about 100 at the moment. You've only got to win a couple of rounds of a slam and you can you can jump up uh, pretty quickly. And um, the other Australian in action, of course, was uh, Alexi Popperin. And, yep. yeah, look, he, you know, he pushed Nadal. He, you know, he certainly was in the match in that first set and he just got a little deflated when he got broken and the first set got away. He went through a... Um, a period where he's he just wasn't you know getting any balls in play and he was pretty hard on himself and then he sort of regrouped to get himself up and going for that third set was good from the back got forward five three he just left the door a little ajar couldn't quite seal it Nadal comes back and wins uh, match one oh one slash 
two losses, incredible record at the French Open. Incredible. Brett Phillips, SN expert, is with us and doing some fine work on the television as well. Uh, we played this a little bit earlier to Georgie Parker. Uh, this was Venus Williams in regards to dealing with the media and press conferences. Here is Venus Williams. For me personally, how I quote, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. So that's how I deal with it. Um, but each person deals with it differently. What did you make of that and those comments on the back of, of course, uh, with Naomi Osaka? Well, Venus, uh, I actually made reference to her a few days ago because she has learnt the art of basically saying nothing as she's got older and older and older. <laughs> um, I went to a presser, I reckon it was the WTA finals in Singapore where she was a runner-up to Wozniacki going back three or four years ago and the press conference went 39 seconds. She came in, sat sideways on the chair. She didn't want to talk and didn't want to engage and she fulfilled her obligations so she had to rock up and sit there. Which doesn't mean she has to elaborate and go into any great detail. You're not going to be fined if you rock up and sit in the chair. And the chair knows that we're not getting anywhere here with Venus. So uh, mm. it was all canned. Okay, done. Thank you. No more questions. I'm off. And she's learnt the art of just, um, you know, just not engaging. And uh, the journos think, well, okay, well, we know we know enough about Venus anyway. What sure. are we going to discover about Venus sure. that we don't know for the last 15, 20 years? So everyone does go about it a little bit. Uh, differently, some have a real disdain for the media, and others just have a great way of engaging. Um, it's not probably the most pleasant experience, particularly when you lose. But gee, Naomi hasn't lost too often in the last three or mm, four years. But mm. we know this guy is a little bit more delicate with mental health, and I don't yep. profess to be any sort of expert in that area. So, yeah, I agree. Um, and interesting, I also mentioned to Georgie Parker, if there's one way of uh, going out of a tournament and one way of not doing any media, that's roll your ankle during a, a press conference or a media conference. And that's what's happened with Petra Kvitova. She's put out a statement to say she's out because the scans are revealed she's done ligament damage after rolling her ankle. Extraordinary. Yeah, this came through in the early hours of this morning. I haven't got any line of sight on this one, but uh, we just read her statement. And, yeah, she played on Sunday, had a pretty good first win, very popular on the tour, Petra. I mean, I'd love to see her win one more slam, mm. runner up at the Aussie, two Wimbledons, which feel like an eternity ago. But, yeah, that was extraordinary. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how she did it or whether it was just after the press conference uh, when she was walking out. But, yeah, it's, it's, there's been a few things, a few interesting things happened at the French Open in the first two or three days. Very much so. So where do we go now? When, 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 what's, what's going to be the feature matches tonight and over the next 24 hours that we can keep an eye on? So we've got the one Australian tonight, Isla Tomlanovic, who won on the opening day. Mm -hmm. So she will play Anastasia Pavlachenkova, who's ranked 31 from Russia. She's made the quarters of every slam, former world number one junior, who's been a model of consistency sort of in the top 50 for the best part of a decade. Uh, but that's winnable for Isla because, for me, Isla Tomlinovich should be up around that mark, you know, around that sort of 30 to 40 mark uh, with the game that she's got. But... You know, whether she can execute, we'll have to wait and see. A lot of Aussies playing doubles uh, tonight. A few of our winners from today will get that nice rest day. And of the bigger names, uh, Serena Williams will be back in the early hours of tomorrow morning up against Buzanescu of Romania, so it's very winnable. Uh, Daniel Medvedev, he's tried to have this love affair with Clay. He doesn't like it. He wanted to be, he wanted to be defaulted in the last tournament, the uh, mad Russian. But 
Well, he looked he looked okay the other night. He's got Tommy Ball, Lavzverev, Sitsi Pass. Love watching Sitsi Pass. Sabalenka, she's my favourite. Is she? Wouldn't want to run into her in a dark. Wouldn't want to run into her in a dark alley. <laughs> but uh, she is tough as nails. Arena Sabalenka. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's plenty plenty of good players playing. We can now breathe, Tim. Uh, yeah. First round done over three days. So yeah, uh, it gets a little easier. Where do you pop up? Where are we seeing you on the telly? Yeah, so Channel 9 obviously has the rights yep. uh, this year yep. uh, to the French Open. And uh, obviously all the matches are on Stan Sport as well across all the courts. And I'm uh, in the wee hours of the morning um, hosting the coverage. Good on you. Uh, so, yeah, that's no, it's been, been good fun. You've kicked on since you used to fly across to Perth every weekend and commentate the footy. Good to see one of us has still uh, got a big profile in television. <laughs> Well, I've got to say, this is the first time Goss I've ever, and you're, you know, you, you're obviously the TV king for many, many years. Oh, yeah. This is the first time I've had to put sort of makeup on and yeah. wardrobe, and yeah. I was just going to rock up my trucky decks and the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different. Yeah, you got to have a, a shave. Got to have a shave and uh, make sure your hair's right and you've got no pimples. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what you've got to do. Anyway, I did the netball the other All night. Right, I did the netball the other night, BP. I've got no idea what I'm doing anyway. I call it like a game of footy. It was fun. I would love to listen back to that. <laughs> you can, you can. It was after it was an after the siren shot by Janelle Fowler. Get onto the Twitter. You'll have some fun with it, BP. You'll giggle. Uh, someone just texted us in. Does BP remember his moment with Naomi on court when she threw it back at you? With is that a question? Well, I, I can't forget it because everyone reminds me of it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, she. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to. Um, Yelena uh, Dokic, actually, because Yelena's part of the nine coverage when we swapped over last night. And I said, and she did a few on court interviews uh, with Naomi at the Australian Open as well. And, and you could see when she was walking over to you, mm-hmm. she had some real apprehension. I mean, she clearly didn't want to be there and um, not, not, not shaking necessarily, but certainly walking over with that real fear of, um, of what she was maybe going to be asked. Yeah. And, so it's really interesting to try and go into her mind. We're trying to judge this from the outside looking in, but hopefully it resolves itself. Yeah, She's I agree. a brilliant tennis player, the most marketable of any player in the game. And if she can get past the sort of media stuff, we mm. want to see her career really flourish. No doubt. And I think that now that we're a bit more aware of her situation with the demons that she faces, that hopefully she can be part of her recovery when she gets better and comes back onto the circuit, that there is a bit more understanding and respect and it's a two-way street. Yeah, and I mean you've been to many press conferences. I mean, look, the tennis the tennis scene is interesting because you've got you've got the travelling Junos yeah. who are following just tennis all year round. So they have a different sort of um, relationship dialogue with the players, and you've got those. You know, for example, at Wimbledon, you'll have some of the tabloid Junos come in just for that fortnight. You might have some of the footy journalists in Melbourne who come in and cover a little bit mm. of tennis, and mm. they're you know, they're looking for an angle, they're looking for a storyline, and it's just a different sort of tone across uh, whether you're covering the sport all year round or just in little little pockets as part of your you know part of your brief as a journalist. So, yeah, it might have something to do yeah, with the. It might have know, something um, to do with the allocation of accreditation. It might have to be. They might have to be a little bit more yeah. stringent on that. Not saying it should. You know, it's freedom of press and freedom of speech and freedom of of voice, mm. and you can say whatever you like. But you've got to be. I think you should be mindful that someone just coming in to try and rip up a headline and make something big, and that certainly does upset the apple cart for those who are on the tour in general. Yeah, I, I sort of feel, I mean, I was you know, talking with Linda Pierce, award-winning journalist, about this, and you know, she's had a pretty good ride, Naomi, where you know I can't think of 
too many times, and she even said it in that Twitter statement the other night. Look, I've had you know a pretty good relationship with the, the journalists. Minute left, guys. Journalists who have looked after me. So you know, her, her, um, her press conferences have generally been fairly positive. It's it's the media who have been digging because she's quite shy and and wasn't giving much in the early part. They wanted to get to know her a bit. And then last year, of course. I felt like she had become really comfortable and come out of her shell, was using that platform to spruik her, her passions and her causes uh, through that COVID year. And, yeah, so it's an interesting watch mm. from afar. Anyway, we'll see what happens ahead of Wimbledon, which is going to be on our doorstep. And they'll certainly want her to be part of um, you know, the media every day. But whether that's a short enough time, a long enough time to get this resolved, I'll have to wait and see. Good chat, BP. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Goss. Brett Phillips does a great job on the Nines, uh, Whitewater Sports and also SEN. We'll take a break, come back, wrap things up. This is Wednesday's edition of the Sporting Goss. You pulled out the big stuff when you needed it most uh, to save match points. So you talked about the fight you had to show in your last match that you were impressed with, or today you had to take it to another level against a quality opponent. Um, that wasn't a question. Yeah, uh, that's Brett Phillips talking to Naomi Osaka. Richmond acknowledges interest in Captain Trent Cochin's availability ahead of Saturday's Dreamtime game in Perth. Cochin remains part of the football program in Sydney and is monitoring a personal matter at home in Victoria. His daughter uh, went to hospital last night. Richmond General Manager of Football Performance Tim Livington said the club would continue to support Cochin and his family however possible. Trent has our full support and always family comes first. The club will make no further comment. Family first, will Trent Cotchin, the skipper, play in the Dreamtime game? It's going to be a sellout. Wildcats tickets go on sale in about 90 seconds' time for their first final next week. Thanks to Alex for pushing the buttons. Chris Clafunas, outstanding job as the producer of Sporting Goss. It's been our best Wednesday show this week. Thanks for your company. Don't forget, race one, number one, enticing is Lockie Taylor's best ad Belmont. That race goes in 40 minutes' time. Catch you tomorrow from 10 o'clock. <laughs>